Unbalanced MN. I'm Miles Bragg, joined by Logan Carroll. Hello. Sam Richards is taking the week off. Can I just say that I really appreciate the um, uh, the aspirational nature of welcoming people back to like another week. Sam's taking a week off. <laughs> I, I, I want to get to a once weekly, you know, or like a once daily. This would be fun to do, <laughs> to do all the time. We can get there. I might go crazy in the process, but you know, <laughs> it would be fun. So yeah, let's dive in. The next couple items are an update on the capital seizure. First one is uh, Oathkeeper is alleged to be involved in the capital siege, actually works for the FBI. A member of the Oathkeeper's militia who attended and helped to organize violence at the J6 Capitol attack is a former FBI section chief who holds top security clearance. Goes on to say that messages exchanged between Caldwell and other Oath Keepers showed that the group was planning to breach the Capitol and hunt down members of Congress, who they expected to be hiding in the tunnels under the building. One text read, quote, seal them in, turn on the gas. I think some people are still out there thinking that this was not a a planned event necessarily um Mm -hmm. and that people that it just was a a protest that got out of hand or something like that and i think that that it's it's a dangerous notion to to believe that i think these people were planning on arrests and acts of violence uh you know right i mean who takes zip ties to a protest right (laughs) and how many of them were probably armed that day you know unfortunately but to that end five more proud boys have been charged Five people affiliated with the Proud Boys were arrested and charged with conspiracy for their roles in the Capitol occupation. According to the criminal complaint, the group wore tactical gear and pieces of bright orange tape on their clothes. goes on to say that the group moved together and led crowds of people into the Capitol where they coordinated with one another and prevented police from entering, from lowering barricades to protect areas of the building. The last time we were talking, you or Sam made the comment, oh, we laugh at how stupid they were. They were all on social media. Obviously, they all got picked off by the feds within days. I mean, it's, they were so insecure. But they learned from this. Mm-hmm. And you can guarantee that a lot of the infosec shit that the left does, they're going to start doing. Oh, it, it is wild. They are learning lessons from, from these things. Um, but, uh, yeah, Huffington Post has officially tallied up to 57 state and local GOP officials at the J6 rally that turned into the what folks are calling the insurrection. Most of them are resisting calls to resign. Only two of them have. Four have been arrested. And Whoa. 20 of them have falsely blamed Antifa for the violence. Christopher Matias writes, quote, In the mob on January 6th, according to the Huffington Post analysis, at least 16 Republican members of state houses or assemblies, four state senators, a state attorney general, six county commissioners, seven city council members, two mayors, three school board members, two state GOP chairs, two prosecutors, and a slew of other officials and party functionaries. The group also included an extremist sheriff from Oklahoma who discussed harming members of Congress, a town council member from Massachusetts who was closely affiliated with the violent neo-fascist gang, the Proud Boys, and a county commissioner from Florida who once discussed beheading liberals. (laughs) yeah right so edgy bro there's this phenomenal article and i've got it pulled up here i can't find a i can't find a date on it it just says it was an issue 55 from democracy a journal of ideas it's called beyond compromise by a guy named jack Maserve. he goes on to like list all the mainstream conservative publications that have published insane stuff adrian vermule is a professor at harvard and he was an official within the Trump administration, within a presidential administration. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we like hear, oh, of course, crazy people in the Trump administration. That's like, that's as much inside the GOP as you can get. So he says, having read a review essay in 2018 in its pages, um, it's being American Affairs, that called for uh, a Catholic coup against the United States government. I mean that not in a pearl-clutching, alarmist way, but as a simple description of the piece. 
written by Harvard Law professor Adrian Vermeule, who converted to Catholicism in 2016 and apparently decided by 2018 it was good enough for the rest of us, it calls for agents to be strategically placed throughout the government so that any given time they can take over the reins of the state, or as Vermeule puts it, it is a matter of finding a strategic position from which to sear the liberal faith with hot irons, to defeat and capture the hearts and minds of liberal agents to take over the institutions of the old order. Now, this is very academic, but it's it's not that different from J, what happened on J6. Like you said, this is the Republican Party now. <laughs> Uh, I feel this feels really bleak right now, and I don't know why. <laughs> like I deal with it, like I swim in this shit like all day, every day. Yeah. But for some reason, right now, man, it's hit me. We're we're at the beginning of the Biden years. I am not sad about that. <laughs> I'm not upset about that in the least. But Trump was the devil we know. Mm-hmm. And then Biden comes in, and we're left at this place where we're wondering what's next. Mm-hmm. I mean, J six was a hell of a way to end the Trump years. You're right. Or, or was it the start to the Biden years? I think, uh, I think back to Renton, uh, my, my conversation with David Renton that's in the uh, first and second episodes, and my favorite line, Renton's talking, he's like, listen, if Trump loses, and all signs point to Trump losing, you can have a Democratic president who's unambitious. <laughs> just, yeah. It's the most British, British way of phrasing it. Continuing the operations of ICE and things like that. Continuing yeah. the deportations. Yeah. Opposing student loan forgiveness mm-hmm. at 50K. These are recruitment tools for the far right. Sure. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, we talked about it before. The economic conditions are going to probably continue to get worse. The, uh, yeah. Stimulus checks, again. That was another one that he welched on. Like, uh, immediately. For any listeners who don't agree with us on these points, who don't believe in these politically like you don't have to to understand that these are recruiting points for the far right right and hey maybe that's not a reason to avoid these policies but i don't see the biden administration grappling with that yeah but you had one more art one more story to talk about oh yeah well the last thing was we get all of our news stories from it's going down in this week in fascism their their weekly column there that column was uh, they had a Patreon page. That Patreon page uh, was report banned. Proud Boys posted in their Telegram group to try and more or less tango the the Patreon page for this very informative, very in- integral column, I think. You know, they're doing really, really great work. So they've been taken off of Patreon, but they have a new... Um, fundraising mechanism on libra pay that's l-i-b-e-r-a-p-a-y and if you look up this week in fascism on there you can sign up to give reoccurring donations or to give them a, a one-time donation i'm i'm not familiar with them except through you i've been like really impressed journalism is always a community project mm-hmm. and they make this possible yeah if you got some money you should throw it their way we're super appreciative Let's get into the main segment. Wait, I just want to. I just want to applaud us. Thirty-five minutes. Hey, Thirty-five minutes, man. Sub, not only sub hour, but like that's gonna be easy. Significant sub Okay, Miles, mm-hmm. I think you will agree that we say fuck on this show a lot. Um, I've actually gotten the feedback that we say it too much, and I'm trying to tone it down this episode. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> watch my mouth. But even when we're not saying fuck, it sounds like we recorded on wax cylinders inside an empty train car. <laughs> you laugh because it's true, I know. We're trying. 
And the closest we have to editorial oversight is me. Yeah. Which, as any editor who has worked with me will tell you, is insufficient. <laughs> what I'm saying is, this show is, is not professional. Yeah. Oh, fuck respectability, dude. Yeah, for real. Because today, we're talking about a network of right-wing media that's based in Minnesota. And this is my jam, dude. The one thing that you gotta know up front is that this network thrives on respectability. Mm. They lie about citations. Mm. Uh, they say reprehensible things about immigrants. Spread disinformation and just generally participate in the worst sins of the new American right. But they're led by successful entrepreneurs, by partners from transnational and national law firms, and in at least one case, the heir to a literal robber baron's fortune. So they get to be respectable. They continue to receive the benefit of the doubt from local and regional mainstream media. They continue to enjoy influence over the Minnesota GOP and therefore life in Minnesota. They are covered in respectability that gets mistaken for integrity, like this built-up carbonized crud that gets mistaken for seasoning. It's a cast iron skillet simile. Because <laughs> we might say fuck, but we're no, you know. Chef Logan over here on the ones and twos. Some class. But fuck respectability. Amen. As long as they're able to buy respectability, it's completely fucking worthless. Right. So, I want to warn you, I want to warn our listeners <laughs> that there's going to be an avalanche of names, of people, of organizations. So, to help you out, we're going to try to bound those names into little segments. There are a couple of big ones that you should know about, but, you know, we'll point those out. The rest of them, as soon as we're done talking about them, feel free to forget them. A couple things up front. I'm not alleging a conspiracy. The closest I've seen to anything illegal in more than two years of watching this network is one associated group might have named a proxy company rather than the actual vendor of services on some campaign finance reports, which is hardly Watergate. Right. And we're not alleging guilt by association here. When we talk about this network, you have to understand that it is both vertical, where like there are some identifiable hierarchies involved. But it's also horizontal, which is like connections that imply like some level of coordination and alignment between like equals. One way to think about this network is that it's like a convoy. There's lots of little trucks driving in the same direction by individual drivers. Not a Gundam being piloted by one or two people. Um, these are trucking and anime metaphors. Because <laughs> again, <laughs> classing up the joint. <laughs> We're going to start off... At the very fucking center, the very center ring of this network. And that is the Freedom Club. So this is where you, you put your pin in, you start you know, putting your red lines outwards from this one. So starting at the center ring, we've got the Freedom Club, which was founded in the late 90s by a gentleman named Robert Cummins. So according to their website, not only do our members talk about the problems facing our state and nation, but we also put our money where our mouth is and lead the way. Now, this is the late 90s. He founded Primera Technology, which does, like, fancy custom printers. And he also launched the Freedom Club. And within a decade, it had become a mainstay of Minnesota Republican politics. Between 2009 and 2010, this is according to campaign finance records, more than 40% of the Minnesota GOP's donations came from the Freedom Club, or from people who had made membership-level donations to the Freedom Club. That's a massive number. Yeah, and the investment paid off. Again, this is from their website before they redesigned it. In 2010, the Freedom Club led the way in putting the Minnesota legislature in Republican control for the first time in state history. Cummins and his allies used the opportunity to push for a right-to-work bill, which would allow workers to opt out of paying union dues while still requiring unions to bargain on their behalf. But that year, Republicans refused to take it up. Somebody who was close to him talked to Brianna Bierschbach for an article when she was, I think it was for MinPost, when she was writing for MinPost, and said something about how like he wanted to more, more tightly control his money. He didn't want to just give it to the GOP. He wanted to control it. Mm. He, him and his wife, Joan, He's just like, in this thing. Yeah, in large part. Gotcha. So he wanted to more tightly control his money coming out of this in about 2012, we're talking now. And so that year, he hired a gentleman named Alex Karam. Remember Robert Cummins, founder of Freedom Club, 
remember Alex Karam, who was hired in 2013 to be the club's executive director. So that's sort of the center, is these are the three names to remember. Robert Cummins, Alex Karam, Freedom Club. I remember Bob Cummins back in 2012 because he was one of the primary donors against same-sex yeah. marriage campaign. And also in a, I think it was 2008 City Pages article, couldn't double check it because the archives are down. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Glenn Taylor. For um, real. He Rip was called City by City Pages the sugar daddy of the Minnesota GOP. So, wow. Very wealthy, very well connected. Mm-hmm. Moving out from the Freedom Club, let's stop first at the Center of the American Experiment. Mm. Center of the American Experiment was founded in 1990. It's one of the oldest conservative organizations in the state. You could actually trace their radicalization, I would say, by looking at who speaks at their annual dinner. Like okay. in the 90s, um, in early 2000s, it was like Mikhail Gorbachev, mm. Margaret Thatcher, mm. Colin Powell. What? In 2016, it was Tucker Carlson. Oh, fuck. In 2016, their founder and longtime president stepped down, and a gentleman by the name of John Hinderocker was hired to take over the post. Hinderocker has been a board member of the Freedom Club since at least 2011. So a little bit of background on him is he was a partner at the old Fagri Baker Daniels, which was a transnational law firm. Mm. That's the first connection to to the Freedom Club. Uh, Second is a gentleman named Richard Morgan. He is a board member of both the Freedom Club and Center of the American Experiment. They present this very respectable data and science-driven approach to conservative issues in Minnesota. And a lot of what they do, in fairness, is that. Met Council policies have contributed to increased traffic in the Twin Cities. Hmm. Very above the board. (laughs) But... But let me tell you about some of the other stuff they do. Isaac Orr has a very bad habit of misrepresenting what citations say when he writes about energy issues. My favorite example is from an article on February 10th called Wind Turbines Don't Even Last 20 Years. (laughs) Now, you pull up the citation. There's one sentence that addresses this, Mm -hmm. and that sentence says that the average age of turbines that were retrofitted is 11 years. Mm -hmm. His article, Wind Turbines Don't Even Last 20 Years, his main citation for that has nothing to do with wind turbine life cycles at all. Yeah. We're not even fact-checking here. Right. I'm not saying he's wrong. You're just checking citations. I'm just checking citations. So another example from the center comes from one of their uh, newer economists named Martha Jolamole. She has this article where she talks about, she just drops into the middle of it. Minimum wage, you know, hurts small businesses. And we know this because of this other article I wrote where it talked about how regulations affect sales for small businesses. (laughs) So you click on it and you look at her article. And in that article, she cites another, an an actual research paper. So you click on the research paper. Research paper doesn't have the words minimum wage or small business anywhere in it. Yikes. It's a study about how regulation affects small publicly traded firms, which can have like... I looked not up, small business. Not small business. Yeah. I looked up like, I was like, how big could that be? And it was like some of some of the thing, what was considered like small publicly traded firms had like $180 million of revenue annually. And the sales that it said were depressed were stock sales. Whoa. It wasn't sales of the firm. My poor heart. It just breaks for it's them. Just, it's just like so far removed. Yeah. We've talked about minimum wage. We've talked about wind power. Mm-hmm. They have also done it about immigrants. Oh, wow. I mean, like... Shocked. Oh, yeah, right? Uh, a few couple of years ago, there was a New York Times article called These People Aren't Coming From Norway. These People Aren't Coming From Norway was a quote from a woman named Kim Crockett, who was the vice president of the Center of the American Experiment at the time. Wow. Kim Crockett was fired from the center Mm -hmm. because of that. We're going to talk about where she went in a little bit. Mm -hmm. But for now, I just want to talk about what she was producing for the center. Right. 
So here's Crockett in 2017. This was in Thinking Minnesota, which is the official publication of Center of the American Experiment, and it includes this paragraph. With labor participation rates hovering between 30% and 40% across Minnesota's highest density refugee nationalities, and she's specifically talking about male Somali refugees, there is little doubt welfare consumption persists long after resettlement has officially ended. She talks about labor participation, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Which sounds an awful lot like labor force participation. Mm -hmm. Now, labor force participation is a very specific term that's used by uh, demographers, and it denotes the total number of people within a given subset, whatever sample, who are actively employed or actively looking for work. Mm -hmm. That's not the number she's citing. Right. What she's citing is the employment rate. Yeah. The number of people who are actively working. Right. So you look at the you look at the citation. You look at the percentage of them who are actively looking for work, and it is three times higher than the next closest group. <laughs> the labor force participation rate, the, the actual number that demographers use, is pretty much in line with every other group. Right. But but she focuses on a made up idea. And names it something that sounds like a real thing. Quarter, nearly a third of this population is actively looking for work and can't find it. And that's a different conversation. <laughs> exactly. That's one that they don't want to have. Also that year, she wrote this for a different edition of Thinking Minnesota, the official publication. Minnesota now welcomes refugees primarily from states where Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, and or animism constitute the majority religions. Most come from failed Muslim-majority states like Somalia. Refugees often arrive with little proficiency in English and without skills required for gainful employment. They also bring cultural and law enforcement challenges, the oh, practice of polygamy, and female genital mutilation. Oh, Low workforce wow. participation by men and inexperience with the requirements of citizenship and voting. Okay, first notice that she said workforce participation, not labor force participation. I mean, it's a titchy point, but it perfectly illustrates the way the center sort of cheats around the edges in just little ways that are significant. But also, how close that is to these people aren't coming from Norway? <laughs> yeah, that, that's straight up alt-right neo-Nazi rhetoric. John Hinderocker, just like a month or two after she wrote that, praised her yeah. for her work there looking at refugee resettlement. So, right, Hinderocker, president of the center, they fire Kim Crockett for saying this stuff. Poor Kim. So here's John Hinderocker in 2011, and everything I'm about to read comes from Powerline, which is sort of like his personal blog, but he shares it with three other guys. Okay. In Islam, those who are the most devout are also frequently the most barbaric. Here's 2013. Does Islam have something to offer other than crazed sadistic violence committed to perpetuate the crudest forms of ignorance? If so, I haven't seen it. Here's 2017. Mohammed himself was a slave owner, unlike, say, Jesus, so Islam is never going to turn against slavery as Christianity did. I mean, and you're reading it with that intonation, but it's like, I'm just so thoroughly fucking grossed out dude and like i i dive through nazi message boards so like I'm, I'm used to hearing stuff like this these guys usually try to like couch it more you know what i mean this is your republican party folks Within you know a year or two of him writing this last one he was invited on the carrie miller show and carrie miller was awesome this isn't to denigrate her but to illustrate this point i had yeah. About their fucking respectability. Yeah. Contrast the way he talks about Muslims with the way he talks about, hey, let's pick a random group, Nazis. Mm. So here he is, and this is 2018, in an article, or a post, a blog post for Powerline. We don't have to get into the main bits of the article, but... Thank you. One of the, <laughs> one of the later paragraphs reads thusly. The lack of support for free speech rights is discouraging. Only 15% of respondents agree that people should be allowed to use Nazi slogans or symbols. You know, 
Muslims, nothing but barbarians, da 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 da, all this violence. But Nazis, free speech, man. When people are like, how did Trump happen? How is the GOP in lockstep oh, with him? Th these are the organizations, these are the political arms that make that happen. I found a, a you know? Caroline podcast. They do a podcast from 2015 mm -hmm. where Hinderocker is calling for a Muslim travel ban. Like during the Obama presidency, two years before Trump did it. Here it is. You know, I've been saying for a while, and, and most people seem to think this is too radical to even mention in public, but it seems to me that one thing we should do is just stop all immigration from uh, uh, Muslim-majority countries, except perhaps for um, uh, some Christian and other religious refugees from those countries. Just stop. Cut it off. And, and it appears that the president, in fact, uh, would have the power, has been authorized to do that by executive order. If he, uh, now, President Obama obviously won't. But it strikes me that if Donald Trump were to give a speech today in which he says that Obama should do this, and if I get elected, I will do it, he's going to win. Am I, am I wrong about that? So the center also funds disinformation. In 2019, they contributed $100,000 to Turning Point USA. Um, this is shortly before that organization got busted for running uh, like a, mis a giant misinformation campaign online. Um, $100,000 to the David Horowitz Freedom Center, which runs several online outlets that are known for pushing just crazy conspiracy theories about Muslims. And they invested $200,000 in Dinesh D'Souza's last film. That, that's not potatoes that's you know that's, that's a enough. lot of money it's a lot of money it's called trump card this oh is, this is the trump card yeah i've been is, thinking about watching it you want to see you want to hear some clips from the film sure okay so this one grab my puke bucket real quick <laughs> <laughs> this clip is him interviewing a gentleman named larry sinclair at a strip club that i was looking for someone to enjoy the night with the introduction was made through the limo driver and what happened uh, we had a few drinks. Uh, I had made some comments about warning Coke, so we got in the limo and left, and we started drinking. I started snorting. He started smoking. I actually put my hand on his knee and started to rub up his thigh, and I performed oral sex on Barack Obama. The following Oh, day, my I God. This is what Center of the American Experiment funded. I have no words, dude. That that is why. And Dinesh is just sitting there. I mean, you folks need to at home need to see this oh, clip yeah, to really great. understand why so I'm so flummoxed right now. But it's the lighting is atrocious, and it just amplifies his jowls somehow. Yeah. So he's like, Ooh. and he's sitting there, and I don't know if his jacket's too big or what, or if he's just like really slouched, but his head sunk down and his jowls are really big, and he's got this look on his face like. Yeah. Oh, tell me more about giving Barack Obama blowjob. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It's just a fucking absolute ghoul. And Center of the American Experiment paid two hundred thousand dollars to help make it happen. I mean that. I mean this is not just a small self-funded newspaper. You know, this is a massive media venture. That Trump card video. Is one of the first fucking things that pops up on my YouTube movies when I'm like looking for movies to watch or rent on YouTube. Oh, I know, I know. But we don't have to talk about it anymore, which is great news. Fortunately, that's it for Center of the American Experiment. Let's move on. Bob Cummins gets disgusted with the Minnesota GOP for not pushing right to work. Essentially, like, I want to take a different tack. He hires Alex Karam. In 2015, Alex Karam incorporates Alpha News. Mm-hmm. Now, that article you wanted to talk about mm -hmm. this is Mike, Michael Broadcorp writing in an, uh, for Star Tribune. He says, quote, In the time since the mailings first started to appear, evidence continues to build and shows that Alex Karam, the executive director of the Freedom Club and the company he founded earlier this year, the Greenbrier Group, worked with Liberty, Pack, Liberty Minnesota Pack on the project. Earlier this year, Karam helped launch the website Alpha News, Alpha News has included negative stories on several of the Republican incumbent House members who were targeted in Liberty, Minnesota PAC mailings. So here's another fun fact. Greenbrier Group remained incorporated until 2019. 
was a conservative communications firm. Yep. Like the one project we know about, they were producing mailers. Yep. Karam used the same fucking P.O. box to incorporate Alpha News. Yeah. The, the only board member that they have is a gentleman named Cole Matheson, hmm. who was an employee at the time of Bob Cummins. Incestuous, this group. That's one word. For <laughs> the same year that Center of the American Experiment gave $200,000 to Dinesh D'Souza, mm-hmm. they also gave $50,000 to Alpha News. I'm free to give all this money, Logan. <laughs> What's wrong with that? It's freedom. Um, now, um, there's one person that they published in particular that I'd like to talk about, a woman named Alyssa Algren. She writes for Alpha News. She writes a, a, a column for them and has for a couple of years now. One article of hers is called The Unmatched Exceptionalism of Western Culture. Equal opportunity, self-determinism, the yearning for truth and reason, individual liberty, and the rule of law are only a few of the many superior ideas of the West that have led to cultural, political, and economic success. That's just a misread of history, fundamentally. The yearning for truth and reason? Yeah, where the fuck you getting this? Like, forget Confucius and Buddhists. Like, everyone else in the world, like, discovered that their boogers were salty and then stopped asking questions. Oh, and do you know who she means? No. I mean, it's it's probably a broad term. It, It probably doesn't only include white people, right? Probably not. Well, let me pose a simple question, writes Alyssa Algren. Where would you rather be a woman or gay or transgender? The West? Africa, Latin America, India, Asia, or the Middle East. If you want to live in freedom, safety, and societal acceptance, there is only one right answer. Oh my. The seemingly harsh but patently obvious truth is that not all cultures are created equal. Oh man. It's easy to to read the preceding quotes and be like, oh, they're fucking racist. Because they are. Right. But there's another thing happening here that's worth pointing out, Mm -hmm. which is that they're arguing in, like, grotesquely bad faith. Yeah. So here's another quote from that article. Western culture is by far the most tolerant and open-minded, and this is especially evident in our treatment of women and the LGBTQ community. Acceptance and equality under law is a uniquely Western value derived from the belief that we are all divinely valued. So here's another quote from a post that she wrote for them just two months prior to that. The inherent biological interests that brought us gender roles in society work. They built the greatest civilization known to man. The name of this blog post was Trans Athletes and the War on Women. Months apart from the same author published in Alpha News, Western civilization is the greatest because of, in part... It's tolerance of trans people. But also, transsexuality is a threat to Western civilization. I mean, it's not logically consistent at all. Something else that's worth pointing out about Alpha News is that recently they announced a new managing editor, Mm. a gentleman named Anthony Gakowski. To his credit, they have a staff page where they say who writes for them and who's responsible for what they produce. Right. That's what I have to say to his credit. Right. <laughs> Anthony Gakowski, immediately before he came to Alpha News, was the managing editor uh, for three local publications through the Star News Network. The Ohio Star, the Michigan Star, and the Minnesota Sun. He was simultaneously the editing manager of three local news sites that were based in different states. Mm. While he was managing editor... His outlets, all three of them, published a white nationalist screed. The, the article was called The Undifferentiated Human Matter of Replacism. It was, it was republished from the right-wing magazine American Greatness. Mm. It's an 8,000-word piece, God. which makes it roughly 16 times longer than their average article. The thrust of the article is trying to reclaim... You will not replace us from the racists who chanted it in Charlottesville. But the way they do that is to point out that this phrase was coined by a gentleman named Renard Camus, who invented the Great Replacement Theory. 
for folks that don't know what great replacement theory is, I guess it's that white people, males, are being, quote unquote, bred out of existence by minority groups here in the West. This article concludes like this. To the extent Renard Camus fights a lonely battle with the smug opinion makers of the world stigmatizing him and everyone like him as a white supremacist, chances are France will become a nation of undifferentiated human matter or an Islamic state or some hybrid of the two. Wow. Let's watch Gokowski at Alpha News. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Also, fuck him and his overtures of respectability. Yeah, seriously. Um, I got one more first ring. This is called uh, uh, an organization called Right Now. Yeah. And it's, uh, you familiar? Oh, yeah. Two associated organizations, Right Now USA, which is the federal, and it's a super PAC, um, and an associated Minnesota Independent Expenditure Committee, which is sort of like the, the state-level equivalent of a PAC. Mm-hmm. Their main source of funding is a gentleman named Lewis Hill, who was a Freedom Club board member as late as 2018, and he has been for many years. He is the heir to the James J. Hill fortune, and James J. Hill has been described as a robber baron. Mm -hmm. He is the heir to a literal robber baron's fortune. (laughs) Also, their treasurer is Richard Morgan, who is on the board of directors of Center of the American Experiment. Also, something like 95-plus percent of their funding comes from people who are also active donors to Freedom Club groups. God. Their online presence is run by a group called 1854 Inc., which is likely a reference to the year the GOP was founded. Mm. Now, 1854 appears to be a front for a company called Brick Inc., which is run by a gentleman named Richard Andelsheck, who is on the board of the Freedom Club and previously the president of the Freedom Club. Oh, go figure. They've most notably pushed COVID-19 misinformation. Ah. They also promote the themes and narratives of the American militia movement. Oh, that's a lovely combination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they laid the groundwork as early as May 2020 uh, for the big lie that Democrats stole the election. They were active in laying that groundwork with posts that said things like, Dems want to extend quarantine uh, for mail-in ballots so they can cheat multiple posts that have been tagged by Facebook as being wrong. They've taken out ads on Facebook where they allege that Tim Walls is controlled by George Soros, Uh who is Jewish, and controlled by Louis Farrakhan, Mm. who is Mm -hmm. anti-Semitic. I double-checked, and they're still at it. Um, They have false or missing context in posts from February 19th, 18th, and 17th. I got to that point, and I was like, three days in a row is enough to prove a pattern. Um, including they were still pushing stolen election bullshit on February 19th. Multiple posts continue to be tagged by Facebook as false or misleading. Yeah. So that's those, I think, are the, I'd say are the three first-ring organizations directly connected to the Freedom Club. Let's move on to the outer-ring organizations. We're getting mm-hmm. into the horizontal connections. These are groups that, like, I there is either no evidence that they're directly controlled by people associated with the Freedom Club, or there's evidence that they are not controlled, and yet there are still like really strong ties, right? So the first one I want to talk about is Deplorable Housewives of the Midwest. Mm. You, you know it? Isn't that a Facebook page? So, oh, you know them because they were active at the Stop the Steel rallies. Oh, yeah, that's it. Well, and yeah, the, yeah, I have seen some of their stuff on Facebook. Now, it was founded by two former Alpha News staff writers. And a woman who moves in the same political circles as Robert Cummins. They are registered as a for-profit company with 30,000 shares of privately held stock. So either the three women who founded this organization what? had what? really grand ambitions and needed to be like super clear about who owned what in this organization. <laughs> I mean, it would be like us if we were like... We're going to found an organization. Unbalanced them in. And me, you, and Sam are each going to get 10,000 shares. <laughs> or, oh. or they've got some outside financial backing. And it was a way to structure the financing. 
Maybe. Maybe. We don't know. Though we do know that two of the former, two of the people were staff writers for Alpha News, and one of the women moved in the same political circles as many people, including Robert Cummins. Poor Housewives is it's pretty extreme, like the content they've yes. produced in the past. Like, I mean, even for, in comparison to this network, mm-hmm. they are hardcore conspiracy theorists, very Islamophobic. Um, COVID denial. COVID denial. They are out there. They yeah. are way the fuck out there. Their website's down right now. I don't think they were very successful. <laughs> they practically disappeared. I assumed they had gone under. And they went for like a year or two where they were publishing maybe once a month. And then as it got closer to the 2020 election, they were like every day again. Hmm. And then it dropped off pretty precipitously after the election. So let me tell you about another one called Intellectual Takeout slash Charlemagne Institute. Again, we're, we're talking third ring here. Yeah. Yep. Its president is a gentleman named Devin Foley, who's on his LinkedIn at least, only lists one prior experience before he went to Charlemagne Institute, the center of the American experiment. Yeah. It's also worth noting that one of their editors, a gentleman named Anders Koskinen, who got a start out of college writing for Alpha News. They also have on their board of directors a gentleman named Ronald Schutz, who's also on the board of directors of Center of the American Experiment. Didn't they create, like, weren't they part of, like, doing viral videos and stuff like that, too, intellectual takeout? The president, Devin Foley, routinely appears in videos for Alpha News. Uh-huh. That's why the name's so familiar, dude. They merged with a, a group called the Rockford Institute in yeah. 2018 and got, like, more than $5 million in worth of stock. So they are financially independent. There's no indication that anyone connected to the Freedom Club runs them, except this Ronald Schutz being involved on the board of directors, which is a very minor connection, but multiple connections. In 2019, Hannah Gase, writing for Splinter, got her hands on a bunch of leaked emails. And uh, the headline of the article is, Leaked emails show how white nationalists have infiltrated conservative media. Mm-hmm. One of the main people she talks about is a gentleman named John Elliott, who, at the time this article was written in 2019, had recently left his old job to go to work for the Charlemagne Institute. Then these emails got leaked where he was like using code words to talk about black people and Jews in very derogatory ways. Wow. <laughs> Their code name for Adolf Hitler in these emails was Our Friend. No way. He gets fired in June, right? Guess who they hired in August to be their vice president? Is that Kim lady? It's Kim Crockett. No way. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Two months after they fired this dude for being a white nationalist, they, they hired the lady. Kim. These people aren't coming from Norway Crockett. Again, just a revolving door, man. Guess who writes a column in every issue of their print publication and has for more than a decade? Taki Theodorakopoulos. Taki of Taki's Mag. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Where Richard Spencer more or less got a start writing for. He wrote for Taki's. Where he, it served as like the earliest Petri dish for the the alt-right. Yeah. At Taki's Mag. Yeah. Now, that's sort of like guilt by association. I'm not a fan of that. I'm fine with it. Well, no, let's, let's throw that out. Let's throw that out. Sure. And just focus how in 2020, Taki called Golden Dawn my party. Yes, I remember this guy. Yeah. Golden Dawn is a neo-Nazi party. Yes, based in Greece. And this was in Taki's Mac, not in Charlemagne Institute's publication, but he writes for them every issue. has for more than a decade. Okay, I swear to God, one more quick little... Outer Ring Group. I'm just going to mention it briefly. It's called Crime Watch and Information. It's a network of nine oh, Facebook yeah. pages, several uh, websites, a Twitter page, and I believe an Instagram. They've got Patreon also. The Minnesota GOP in late 2019, early 2020, basically announced they were going to use urban crime as a wedge issue to mm-hmm. try to pick off suburban voters in the 2020 election. Almost crime Watch worked. and Information was like waiting for them. Yeah. And they now routinely produce content for Alpha News. You, you, you wrote an article recently about this group. Yeah. And they do all the same things as everybody else in this network, where they obliterate nuance, where they latch on to like, little factually accurate details and radically decontextualize them to build their narrative, and also just like say things that aren't true. 
So um, Freedom Club, Charlemagne Institute, Center for the American Experiment, Twin, Twin Cities Crime Watch, and Information. Is that all of them? Okay, starting at the center ring. Good. It's good that we do a recap. I went backwards. Freedom Club in the center. Freedom Club. First ring, we got Center of the American Experiment. Yep. Alpha News. Mm-hmm. Right now, Minnesota. Right now. I forgot that one. Yeah. And then around that, we've got sort of these tertiary groups, yeah. which are um, Charlemagne Institute, which you got, uh, Crime Watch and Information, and Deplorable Housewives of the Midwest. Mm, yes. So oh, There's a lot of these groups in Minnesota, man. This isn't even all the groups in Minnesota. These That's are just true. the ones that are connected. We haven't They're talked about Mill City Media. We haven't talked yeah. about 1280 AM, The Patriot. Yeah. We haven't talked about the Minnesota Sun, except indirectly through Gokowski. I mean, this is just this network. This there isn't so right-wing many. media all-encompassing. Okay, man. We've been at this for a while now. Yeah. How are you holding up? I'm good. Because we're to the part where I talk about the purpose of it, the function. Let's do it. Because I try not to talk about motives, but function is a beautiful word. <laughs> that that can encompass some motives. This Islamophobia issue, I think, gives a great case study of the way that the synergies of this different of these different uh, organizations play off each other. Mm-hmm. The, the The place to begin probably is that this that this article uh, that I wrote for City Pages in 2019 was looking at the 2016 election mm-hmm. specifically. Now, we know because. Hinderocker, president and CEO of the Center of the American Experiment, wrote about it on his personal blog, that the GOP gubernatorial candidate that year, a gentleman by the name of Jeff Johnson, met with Hinderocker for two or three hours before he announced his candidacy for the primary. Hmm. So he was like their guy, and he eventually won the nomination. Mm-hmm. He was a pretty hardcore libertarian. I, I spoke to a Muslim Somali man, immigrant, who was conservative and was a GOP activist, who said he really liked Johnson because because he was a libertarian, was really cool about like religious issues, which was important to this guy for obvious reasons. Mm. Um, and yet, after talking to the Center of the American Experiment, he shows up in Alpha News writing op-eds about why we should end the refugee resettlement program, and he will if he gets elected governor. Um, Alpha News had been pushing... Uh, this Islamophobic bullshit for years. We talked about feral Somali youth. Yeah, no-go zones in Cedar Riverside. I know they uh, they were writing stuff about that. Center of the American Experiment was pushing it also, which we talked about with like Kim Crock and shit. Mm-hmm. Deplorable Housewives was pushing it. Robert Cummins, again, president of the Freedom Club, president founder of the Freedom Club, and a couple other Freedom Club members bankrolled a, an advertisement. There's this like awesome document in the Minnesota Campaign Finance Board where it's where they disclose the financing of this advertisement and part of the of the disclosure lists like what they spent money on and one of the things is like focus group to learn what will motivate Minnesotans to vote for Jeff Johnson and then also then we paid for this ad okay so I've lived in Minnesota all my life and I want to be nice but I have had it it took me two hours to get home every highway's closed there's potholes everywhere Still don't have my license tabs. They're building this train that no one wants. The schools are getting worse. And $100 million of taxpayer money for daycare was sent to Somalia. Oh, and now they want socialism. We need a new governor. If you're ready to take Minnesota back and make it nice again, vote for Jeff Johnson on August 14th. Yeah, the suitcases of cash thing was this Islamophobic trope at the time that actually originated in like a mainstream news article from Fox 9. It's never really publicly thoroughly been debunked, so let me just say really quick that the only source behind these allegations that um, Somali people were sending suitcases full of cash, full of welfare money back to Somalia to fund terrorism came from a gentleman named Greg Kearns, who there's this blog post from 2009 where a community activist named Jeff Siddiqui describes how Kearns would just like went on a rant about how Somali people are all committing welfare fraud and he doesn't know how many kids they all have and just all this racist bullshit at this community meeting. And also this guy made all these same allegations when he worked for like federal investigators and they told him that there was no case there and outlined steps that he could take to develop a case and he just never did. 
And then he shows up a few years later making the same allegations against Somali people, and Fox 9 just uncritically amplified that. And of course, it got picked up by this network and became a major driving force in the election for a brief period of time. The other thing that's like noteworthy, Brianna Bierschbach interviewed Tom Rosen and Stanley Hubbard, who have like donated to several Freedom Club-associated groups, including Right Now Minnesota, and she did this in 2013 for Finance and Commerce, where they said, like, oh, we'll work with anybody across the political spectrum, Republican or Democrat, so long as they're willing to work on big business issues. Yep. And here they are, bankrolling misinformation. Again, I don't want to... I don't want to assign motivations, but one of the functions of all this... Had it been successful, they just would also have gotten a governor that advanced all their pro-business agenda. Right. That's all the motivation you need. So there's there's a few more examples. Uh, back in 2019, Eastern the Eastern Carver County School District was considering a referendum that would have increased property taxes so that they could better fund education. And it was relatively uncontroversial until Alpha News dropped this video. And they were pushing just crazy-ass conspiracy theories, trying to defeat a, a school district referendum. This paper is a blueprint for elevating the culture of Islam above American culture in the schools. The George Soros-funded extremist organization. And that he hosted an anti-Trump rally at the... An organization run by Muslim Brotherhood. Equity. Critical race theory. Cultural Marxism. If you give them $120 million for another elementary school and a host of other things, they will only have more power to fundamentally transform the district. It's the video produced by Alpha News, and it cites Deplorable Housewives of the Midwest. An online publication called The Deplorable Housewives of the Midwest. Narrated by a gentleman named Don Huzenga, who's connected to the Freedom Club, to Center of the American Experiment, and to Right Now Minnesota. Uh, they mobilized Alpha News, did articles about it. A source sent me a bunch of screen grabs from inside a, a private Facebook group where the anti-referendum crowd gathered and organized. One of the people who is most active there is a woman named Donna Azarian, who is mm. one of the founders of Deplorable Housewives of the Midwest. Mm. And she's whipping people to show up to school board meetings. Oh, here's my favorite line. Of the speakers on the vote no side at this school board meeting, only Gwen had kids in the district. <laughs> this was not in any of the screen grabs that they sent, so I haven't confirmed this, but they told me that elsewhere, um, Huizanga, this Donazarian, as well as some of the other people who were involved, including people who had kids at the district who were just politically aligned with them, um, were talking. And at some point, one of the people said, this could serve as a model that we could export around the state to mm -hmm. fight school referendums. And that brings us to the end of what I got. I know it was a lot of me talking, which I, I don't love. It's like we were talking about. Like, these are the people that supplanted or or they'd be plenty yeah they put uh jeff johnson johnson norm coleman michelle bachman eric paulson i think yeah i mean the list goes on about the people that they've donated to well like i said back in 2010 they take credit for flipping the uh the house let's 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 lay this all out yeah. because they were also involved in the stop the steel rallies yeah. alpha news has been cited by the ap Center of the American Experiment routinely get uh, op-eds published in the Star Tribune. Hind Rocker was on Carrie Miller, like I noted. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> they have influence and power. It makes me sick what they're doing, and it makes me just worried, just fundamentally mm -hmm. worried about what the hell is going to happen in the future. You know what I mean? Where where are they aiming their sights? When we, the, do you remember the, the one we met in person for the first time? Yeah. We talked in, on the phone a handful of times, and then me and you and Ed Sutton and Sam all got together uh, in my backyard mm -hmm. at a fire and uh, had a good time. And at one point we were all talking, I remember making the point that like, you know, the three of you are coming at this from like street level. 
you've been tussling with like white supremacists and fascists. I think, and I can't remember who said what exactly, but um, you know, the one saving grace in all this is that these people aren't that organized. <laughs> and and then I just like started <laughs> laughing, and I was like, oh fuck, right. because I'm coming at it from this angle, and they're very well financed and they're organized. Very. <laughs> Yeah. They they are way more organized and financed and resourced than I think the left gives them credit for. When people are like, how did Trump happen? How is the GOP in lockstep with him? Th these are the organizations, these are the political arms that make that happen. I really don't mean to overstate this because it's not like we're New York or Los Angeles. But we're a battleground state. We are a major piece of this you know what i mean yeah. and I, i'm yeah. uh, well, i mean the, the right-wing messaging here and in like wisconsin too i would say they're kind of leading the way in terms of like where it is the national media should go or where the national gop should go you know what i mean they're bellwethers yeah. the midwest you know again there's no equivalency to this on the left to see this level of coordination of narrative to see their their influence on the bigger legacy media outlets and the other institutions that run the city government law enforcement or otherwise you know it is extremely worrying there's this nyman labs report about partisan media masquerading as local journalism you read this article and it's all about partisan media and it's all couched in this bipartisan language well this is just a problem of partisan media partisan media and then you get to the middle of it and it says, out of more than 400 sites to be examined, eight of them were left-wing. <laughs> and, and then they just wow. brush this off, and they're like, well, maybe left-wingers will start doing this more now that they've seen that the right does it so much. <laughs> and at no point did they ask, what the fuck is happening on the right that this is happening? Right, and what are the consequences of it? And what are the consequences of it? So... Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be my quote for this show it's gonna be my word just yikes <laughs> fucking i i want to end with a quote from alex karam just as a reminder karam is president of alpha news he's the executive director of freedom club and this is from an article he wrote for intellectual takeout which is one of charlemagne institute's online publications um, he said in 2017 quote while theologians typically deal in the realm of truth Political consultants such as myself typically deal in the realm of power. Okay, fuck, that was a lot of me talking. <laughs> it's okay, bud. Big haul. Um, thanks for bearing with me. Uh, but I love talking about it, so thanks for indulging me. Thank you, listeners, for listening. It's been a blast. I'm really enjoying this, and we really appreciate the support. Um, you know, moving forward, any way you can support us, we would appreciate it. Let me name a few of the ways that you could do that. One, you can just listen to us. Two, you can tell people to listen to us or tweet about it. Uh, you can follow us on social media. We are at unbalanced underscore MN on Twitter. Um, if you've got a little bit of money, uh, we would really appreciate you throwing it our way. We've, we're pretty ambitious about what we want to do with this. We're, uh, we're putting together a fundraising drive episode in a little bit where we're going to lay out some of our plans and some of our visions for the future. But you can help us get an early start on that now by going to patreon.com slash unbalancedmn and donating anything you got. And lastly, like one other way you can support us is to recognize that journalism is always a community project. And the work that we do is built on the work of so many others. One of the biggest names is 
This Week in Fascism, which is published at... It's going down. .org. Which uh, Miles mentioned early on, they got... Uh, Booted off Patreon under questionable circumstances. Damn um, Nazis. They they contribute a ton to what we do, and you, if you've got a little bit of money, you can contribute to them. What's that URL where you can go? If you've got a Libra pay. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. We hope you have a good night. Thank you, folks. Our bumper music this week was Through the Looking Glass by Westy Reflector and Sisyphus by The Toothaches. Both are licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share Alike License and are available at freemusicarchive.org. And our theme song was, as always, Freedom Ain't a Club You Can Join by Dan Carroll with Wesley Mitchell on drums.